0: Then الله الشروق ابوثله دون من الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي الله 215 The chapter of the virtue of the siwak and the characteristics of the fitra. Last time we had, or the last two times, we had the hadith, hadith 1211, the hadith of Abu Hurairah, with regard to five things being from the fitra. Then Imam Nawi. محمد الله. he follows that with hadith one thousand two hundred twelve. وعن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عشر من فترة قص الشعر وفأ اللحية والسواك والتنشاق الماء وقص الأفار وغسل البراجم ونطف الإبط وحلق الأنثى وانتقاص الماء قال الراوي ونسيت العشرة إلا أن تكون المدمضة قال وكيع وهو أحد رواته انتقاص الماء يعني الاستنجاء رواه مسلم البراجم بالباء الموحدة والجيم وهي عقد الأصابع فأفأ اللحية معناه لا يقص منها شيئا and from Aisha radiallahu anha that she said, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, ten things are from the fitrah: Trimming the mustache and letting the beard flow and using the tooth stick, the to siwak, and taking water into the nose, and clipping the nails, as sul alfar, and washing the joints, wa ghaslul barajim, and plucking the armpits, wa natful ibd, and shaving the pubes, wa halqul anati, and washing the private parts, wa entiqasl The narrator said, and I forgot the 10th one, unless it was al-madmada, washing the mouth. Waqif said, and he was one of its narrators, and he was one of the narrators in his chain. He said, intiqasul ma means al-istinja, washing the private parts. Reported by Muslim. Al-Barajim, the word Al-Barajim, with a ba, with one single dot, and the jeem. and it is, the barajim, is the joints of the fingers. And I'afa'u Lihya, letting the beard flow, means not cutting anything from it. As for who reports this hadith, And just as Imam Nawawi said, it's indeed reported by Muslim, you'll find it there in his Sahih, in Kitab al-Tahara, the Book of Purification, Kitab al-Tahara. Hadith number 261. And in the narration of Muslim there, at the end of the narration, he said, Zakariya said, Mus'ab said, and I forgot the tenth one, unless it is the Madmada. So in the, in the middle of the chain, Zakaria mentioned who is Zakaria ibn Abi Zaida, the narrator. He said that the narrator he is narrating from, Mus'ab, who was Mus'ab, Ibn Shaybah he is the one who said, I forgot the tenth one. Unless it is al-Madwada, washing the mouth. <coughs> the hadith also is reported by Abu Dawood in his Sunan, again, in the purification, chapter 29, using the tooth stick, is from the Fitra. Hadith, hadith number 53 and reported by Tirmidhi in His Sunan in the book of Manas Kitab al-Adab Chapter 14, what occurs with regard to clipping the nails Hadith 2757 and reported by Imam al-Nasa'i in His Sunan in Kitab al-Zina, the book of adornment, Chapter 1 from the Sunnas Adhi Fitrah Hadith 5040 5040. And also reported by the Majah in his Sunan, in the Book of Purification, Chapter 8, the Fitra, at his 293. And reported by others besides, reported by Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, reported by Al Bayhaqi in his Sunan, in various places of the Book of Purification, reported by Ibn Khuzayma, Al Baghwi in Sharh al-Sunnah, Abu Awana, and others besides them. And as for the phrases to make a mention of, that could take uh, the rest of the time, inshallah. Then, I'm not concentrating too much on the ones that we had, la- had last time. Then, firstly, with regard go to the phrase, Ashram, the saying of Allah's messenger, Ashram min al-fitrah. Ten things are from the fitrah. Then Imam al suyuti said in his explanation of Muslim, ad-Dibaj. this is a clear statement that they are not limited to the ten. I mean the fitra is not limited to these ten things mentioned here. Because the wording, min al-fitra from the fitra, are these ones. On the same point, al hafidh al-Iraqi said in his book, al التفريب, this hadith of Aisha also shows that the characteristics of the fitra are more than ten. So here he omitted from them al-khitan, circumcision, which was mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah. Remember the hadith that we had last time. So in this hadith here he omitted al-khitan, circumcision, which was mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah. And he also mentioned in a hadith of Ammar ibn Yasir Al-Intidah sprinkling the private parts with water mean after the wudu as is reported by Abu Dawood and Ibn Majah that hadith is reported by Abu Dawood is hadith number 53 and Ibn Majah is hadith 294 and it was declared hasan by Shaykh al-Dani the hadith of Ammar ibn Yasir that Allah's Messenger وسلم, said من الفطره المضمضه والاستنشاق والاستيلاء وقص الشارب وتقليم الاظفار وتقليم الابط والاستحداد والغسل البراجم والانتضاح والاختتام تعريف بوربعو داود ابن لا والله ما صلى الله عليه وسلم من الفطره اه المضمضه واش and taking water into the nose and using the tooth stick and clipping the moustache and cutting the nails and plucking the armpits and shaving the private parts and washing the creases or washing the knuckles and sprinkling water and getting circumcised. Then al-Hafid oh al-Iraqi said "So." When these three, uh, when these hadith are gathered together, then it comes to thirteen qualities. A list of thirteen qualities. As for the phrase al sharib, the first one mentioned in the list, al sharib, trimming the mustache. Then we had something with regard to trimming the mustache last time, and also in addition to that. Then Al-Munawi said in Faib qadir his explanation of al al-Sagheer. Saghir, is meant by Qasr al trimming the mustache, is to cut it in any way. Trimming it with scissors. In any way, trimming it until the upper lip becomes clearly visible. Also, with regard to trimming the mustache, Sheikh Abdul." Sheikh Abdul Muslim Al Abbad, he said in his lessons and explanation of Abu Dawood he said trimming the moustache means to remove it with scissors, such that he does not trim it right down or shave it. Rather, he takes something from it and he leaves its but he leaves its roots there. <coughs> this is, of course, this is trimming. And it is other than shaving. So the moustache is to be trimmed and it is not to be shaved. As for the ruling, even though we, as we said, we had some some of that last week, in addition, and with regard to the ruling of trimming the moustache, Al-Hafid al-Iraqi said, again in Tafriq Tafriq, with regard to this hadith, it shows the recommendation, istihbar of trimming the moustache. It shows the recommendation of trimming the moustache. And this is something whose recommendation is agreed upon. Whereas some of the dhāhiris they held it to be obligatory because of his saying, wasallam. Qasas shawari. Some of the dahiris held it to be obligatory because the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam Shorten the mustaches, Trim the mustaches. It means it's a command. Reported by Ahmad, and it occurs with Muslim with the wording jazzu, clip, clip back the mustaches. Likewise, on this point, Ibn Hazm said from the dahiris, Ibn Hazm said in al-Muhalla that it was obligatory, he held it to be obligatory, based on the command of Allah's Messenger, صلى And likewise, Ibn al-Arabi al-Maliki, as was quoted from him by al-Sam'ani, in Shah al-Humda. Uh, their position was Ibn hazm and Ibn al-Arabi al-Maliki. That is not just a recommendation, rather it's an obligation to trim the moustache. As for the phrase al <coughs> lihya Letting the beard flow. And with regard to I'faw al-Lihya, Imam al said in his book al majmu his book of fiqh, the explanation, of al Muhaddab al-Shirazi, a large book of fiqh, al majmu not complete, but very large, 20 volumes, then al said, the Lihya, the beard, is the hair which grows upon the chin. And as for the hair of the two cheeks, they continued. He said, what is correct, which the majority state, is that they have the ruling of the beard. Also, on the same point, Shaykh Abu Muslim Al Abad, Hafidullah, he said in his lessons in explanation of Abu Dawood, that have been transcribed, he said, with got to leaving the beard, he said, meaning, leave it growing fully do not take anything from it by shaving nor by short, shortening neither a small amount nor a large amount because what al-i'fa means is it is derived from al-kathra abundance and from al-tawfir letting something be, be, be full that, that is full so therefore let the beard flow and let it be plentiful, just like the saying, "He, the Most High, hada <hattā> afal." So, al-araq, the surah, ayah ninety-five. The, this, the same root that appears here. The same, same word, hada <hattā afaw> the ayah. It said, meaning until they became many. Has this been part of an ayah referring to those people? He said, meaning until those people referred to became many, became plentiful, many. He said because that is the meaning. That's the root meaning of this word, let the beard become plentiful. So what it means is that it should be left and should be left to become abundant. So it occurs with the wording wafiru, let it become abundant, and with the wording arhu, let it عن, and uh, hang down, and with the wording afucking Let it become plentiful, abundant. And all of them indicate a command to leave it and to let it become abundant and to not do anything with it. I mean, not to take anything from it, in other words. On the other hand, Qadi Iyad said in his explanation of Muslim, Iqmal al-Mu'lim, he said, with regard to the issue of the beard, he said, it is hated to cut it down and to shave it and to shrivel shrivel it down. And there occurs hadith in rebuke of the person who does that. And the sunnah of some of the non-Arabs is to shave it or to cut it it right down and to let the moustache grow long. And this is the custom of the fars, the Persians. Then he said that as for taking something from its length or its breadth, something slight taking something from its length or its breadth, then that is something fine, and it is disliked that it becomes so large as it becomes shorter. something against fame for the person. It stands out, and likewise beautifying it, just the same as it is hated to shorten it or to trim it down, trim it right down. And the Salaf disagreed. What is the limit for that? I mean, what's the limit for trimming the edges of it? So some of them did not state any limit except that it should not be allowed to get to the state of bringing fame for that person. He's standing out so much that he stands out. But he should take from it to avoid that. And Malik hated that it should be extremely long. And some of them put down the limit that whatever is beyond a hand's clasp, whatever is held by the fist, whatever is below that, that can be removed. And some of them disliked and some of them hated to take anything from it, except in Hajj or Qumran. as for the ruling of leaving the beard letting the beard grow and not shaving the beard off then ibn al-hazm said in his book maratib al ijma' his book where he quotes whether issues whether ijma' maratib al ijma' he said and they agreed as you the scholars the earlier scholars they agreed that shaving it shaving off the whole of the beard is Muslim, is disfigurement and is not permissible. Likewise Ibn hazm said in his book Al-Muhalla with regard to the ruling of letting the beard grow that it is followed obligatory obligatory to do so. On the same matter, the ruling of the beard, keeping the beard then Ibn al-Abidin said from the Hanafi scholars Later, later Hanafi scholars died in the year 1252 Ibn al-Abidin said taking from the beard to make it sure to them what can be grabbed by the fist as is done by some of the people of the West and some of the effeminate from the men no one holds it to be permissible. If you hold him, taking something less than um, inside what can be held by a fist taking more away than that لَمْ No one holds that to be permissible. As for the phrase as-siwak, the use of the tooth stick. Then Ibn alan said, meaning al-istiyak, meaning use of the tooth stick. And Again, that's something that came before in the chapter a number of times. And briefly, with regard to the ruling, again, Ibn Hazm said in al-Muhalla that the as-siwak mustahab. He agreed with the majority there. Uh, the vast majority of the scholars that the Siwak is something recommended obviously as we had before earlier in the chapter one of the evidences for that is the first hadith of the chapter the hadith of Abu Huraira saying Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لَوْ أَنْ أَشُعْقَ أَلَى أُمَّتِي فَأَمَارْتُهُمْ بِالسِوَاكِ if it were not a difficulty for my nation I would have commanded them with the siwak for every prayer it's a clear evidence for the majority that the Siwak was not commanded." a command was not given it was not made obligatory, so therefore it's a recommendation as for the phrase استنشاق taking water into the nose then Shaykh al said in his explanation of Abu Dawood al-Manhal al-Adhab Adab al is to cause water to reach the inner nostrils of the person With regard to those things that the legislator has sought that he should perform it along with, such as the wudu, and when he wakes up from sleep, and in order to remove any dirt which there is in the nose. Tiburu Alan said in his explanation of Riyadh al Salihin on the same point, taking water into the nose, he said, meaning making it reach the nose, or causing it to enter the nose. And this is required. This is something desirable in every wudu and bath, and every ghusl, every bath. In the same point, shaykh Muhammad ibn Ali ibn Adman of Ethiopia said, in his explanation on of Nasai, the al-Uqba, he said, it is to put water into the nose, and to breathe it up, to expel whatever there is inside the nose. And as for the ruling of istin sh- al istinshar, obviously one of the matters that comes in the wudu al istinshar, taking water into the nose. And as they mention al istinthar is, blo- is when he blows out al istinshar is taking water in. So the two are connected. <coughs> so with regard to the ruling of al istinshar taking water into the nose, and the scholars have differed about the ruling for it. So some of them, some of them held, there's three basic positions, some of them held it's obligatory, wajib, in the wudu and in the ghusl. Secondly, some of them held that it's obligatory in the ghusl, the bath, but not in the wudu. And thirdly, some of them held that it's masnoon, it's a much of sunnah, it's stiff. Mustahab, it's recommended, in both the wudu and the wusul. As for Imam al and some, some of the verifiers amongst them, Imam shawkani then in, a, in his book, as al-Jarra, they clearly stated it to be obligatory. and He mentions his reasons, he said. The saying that it is obligatory is the truth. Because Allah the Perfect has commanded in his mighty book the washing of the face, the wajh. And the place of the mouth washing and the nose washing is a part of the face, so it falls under that command to wash the face, which is obligatory. Then he said, and it is established that the Prophet sallallahu constantly performed that with every wudu. He washed his nose with every wudu. Everybody who reports his sallallahu alaihi wasallam wudu and makes clear its characteristics reported. So that shows that washing the face, which has been commanded in the Quran, is that which includes washing the mouth and washing the nose. And there's also an order reported to wash the nose, uh, to take water into the nose and to expel it from the nose. This order occurring in a number of authentic hadith. As a mention of just some of those ahadith that he's indicating there, then firstly the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu who said, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man tawaddaa fa li wa man istajmara fa yutir Saying of Allah's Messenger sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Whoever performs wudu, let him forcefully blow out the water from his nose. And whoever cleans himself, with stones then let him do it with an odd number. A hadith reported by al-Bukhari as hadith 161 and Muslim hadith 237 also from the evidences that washing the nose is obligatory in the wudu is the nation of Abu Dawood hadith number 140 the sahib by Sheikh al again from Abu Huraira Allah with the wording إِذَا تَوَضَّ أَحَدُ أَحَدُكُمْ فَذِيَجْعَلْ فِي أَنْفِهِ مَاءً ثُمَّ ثم الـ ثم الـ if one of you performs when one of you performs, performs wudu, let him put water into his nose, then let him blow it out. And likewise, and finally, from the evidences, the Hadith of Lakiq Ibn Sabra, radiyallahu an), Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, said, "Baliq fil istinshaq illa anta kunafar ima." Exert in taking water into the nose to perform eastern unless you are fasting. Unless you are fasting. Hadith quoted by Abu Dawood, Hadith 142, declared sahib by Shaykh Al Ghani. And from those scholars who declared the declared to be an obligation to wash the nose out, then among them were Imam Ahmad, Dawood, Ishaq, Abu Taur, Ibn Al Mubarak, Ibn Abi Layla, and Muhammad ibn Abi Sulaiman. As for the phrase Qasl al something that came last time, Qasl al clipping the nails, and then Ibn Al-Alan said, in order to remove any dirt that gathers beneath them. And the reason for clipping the nails is to remove any dirt that can gather beneath them. As for the phrase where Qasl barajim and washing the finger joints, or washing the finger creases, or the like. Then, Shaykh said in his notes to Mishkat al-Masabir, what's meant by Barajim, he said, meaning the knuckles, which are upon the backs of the joints of the fingers, or different fingers might wear toes. And what it means here is to wash all of the joints, all of those joints, finger joints, obviously including toes, the joints along with their creases or folds. On the same point Al-Khattabi said in his explanation of Abu Dawud, Ma'alim al-Sunan, it means to clean those places which become grimy, become dirty, and where dirt gathers anywhere, any, any place in your body, whether a cre- crease or that like place, the dirt can gather to, to clean those places. He said, but in origin, barajim, it means the knuckles which are upon the backs of the fingers. Also, Imam Nauwi has said says something similar in his explanation of Muslim. He said, this is an independent sunnah. It is not specific to the wudu and they, the barajim, are the joints of the fingers, all of them. The scholars said, and joined to the finger joints, joined along with the finger joints, is wherever, wherever upon the body, dirt can gather in the creases of the ear, which is the ear cavity, and that can be removed by wiping because if it becomes plentiful what's the dirt in the ear then it can affect the hearing and likewise what is within the nose and likewise wherever there is dirt that can gather upon any place from the body on account of sweat and dust and the like of them and Allah knows best and finally a quote from al al iraqi again in Parha three he said something slightly different. He said what's apparent is that what is meant is to clean them with, the, with regard to the wudu. Clean them in the wudu. Obviously restricting it to the joints. To clean them in the wudu. As for the ruling of this, then, you know, Nawi said in his book al majmu as for washing the joints, then there is agreement that it is a recommendation. As for the phrase, Natul Ibn, again something that we had last time, not full ib. plucking the armpits and Imam abul Hassan al-Sindi said in his notes to the Sunan of Ibn Majah meaning taking out its hair with the fingers plucking out the hair, the armpits with the fingers because that will weaken the hair then he raises a question, he said and will shaving it Or applying paste, Uh, tangweer, and what they mean by that is uh, they describe it as being a white sort of paste, or or plaster, uh, sort of plaster. They put it on, and it hardens, and then they pull it off, tangweer. So I said, will shaving it, or using some sort of paste to remove it, will that attain the sunnah? He said, it is possible to say that the armpit is specific. There is a specific way to remove it, which is plucking because that is a place where there will be a disagreeable odour on account of the odours which come out from the pores being kept there. And plucking it weakens the roots of the hairs whereas shaving it will will only strengthen them and make it worse. However, it may be permissible, or it has been said to be permissible, to shave it for the one who is not able to pluck it. As for the phrase Al-Halq Al-Ana and shaping the private parts against something we had last time, so briefly Al-Munawi said in Fable Qadir that Al-Ana is the hair which is around the private part of the male and the private part of the female. As for the phrase Intiqas Al-Ma using water, and this word Intiqas, as we will see, it has something to do with reduction, reduction so basically, putting uh, putting water upon the private parts. And with regard to this phrase, "intakhsol ma," Imam al Nawi said, it has been explained, as we already heard, on the hadith at the end of the hadith. He said, it was explained by Waqib what was Waqi, being the famous Imam Waqi ibn al Jarrah, the great right, Imam and great great right, right, right of hadith. So he said, Waqi explained it in the book to mean al istinja washing the private parts. I mean, washing the private parts after make after going to the toilet. Whereas Abu Ubaida and others said from it is stopping the flow of urine on account of the water that a person uses to wash his private parts. I mean why is it called That Washing your after you use the toilet why uh, using water why is it called intiqas? reducing the water, or stopping the flow of water. And what he's referring to here, meaning the water we refer to in this saying is the urine. And you're stopping the urine by putting water upon, when you've finished using the toilet, you put water upon your part, especially cold water, and that stops any flow of urine, as we explain in detail. So he said from it here is stopping the flow of urine on account of the water that is used to wash the private parts. Or it is said, now here's the second saying of what's meant by this phrase, that it is, al-intidah, it's sprinkling the private parts, I mean after you've made wudu, sprinkling the private parts with a, a little bit of water. He said, and that occurs in a narration, al-intidah, instead of intiqas al The majority say intidah means to sprinkle, I and mean, it occurs this wording, intidah, sprinkling, it occurs in some narrations. He said the majority say, it means sprinkling the private parts with a little bit of water, after the wudu to repel waswas repel any and then again the explainers when they mention that they say to repel any ideas of, of shaitan and they bring examples Let's say the, the, the example of a person when a person made wudu, sometimes shaitan comes to him and makes him, makes him feel something he thinks he's got some wetness that's come out so he's not sure if he has wudu, so he goes and checks and you know, thinks he's lost his wudu these are whisperings from shaitan so to stop that happening then sprinkling, as established in the authentic Sunnah in the book of Sunnah, sprinkling a slight, after making wudu, sprinkle a slight bit of water on your private parts. Then anything that comes after that, you think it's that water, and you can cut off that doubt of shaitan. So, as I said, I'll just repeat what he said. He said the majority say sprinkling is to sprinkle the private parts with a small amount of water after making wudu to repel any waswas, any whisperings of shaitan. Or it is said it is to wash. The private parts after using the toilet with water. In two sayings here. As for Sheikh Al Subti in his explanation of Abu Dawood, Al Manhal Al Adab al then he said, What is meant by Intiqasul Ma is the water which a person uses to wash himself after using the toilet. As for the phrase, Wanasitul Ashira, the narrator, Wanasitul Ashira, and I forgot the tenth one. Then Al Qadi Iyad said, bin Raiter said, perhaps it is. I forgot it unless it is Al Madmada, washing the mouth." Al Qadi Iyad said, with regard to this phrase, "When I see it to Al Ashir, I forgot the tenth one." Al Qadi Iyad said in his explanation for Muslim, "Perhaps it is Al Khitan, circumcision, which was mentioned along with the five, and that has more right." As for the phrase oh, yeah. the rach himself that he said I forgot the le- yeah. tenth one unless it is madmada washing the mouth then with regard to a washing the mouth then Imam Nawawi said in his explanation Muslim as for the reality of a washing the mouth in mean washing the mouth in wudu or whistle as for the reality of washing the mouth then our companions the Shafiq scholars they said its most complete form is that he puts water into his mouth and then. Moves it around his mouth and then spits it out. But as for the least amount, the least possible, the least thing that will count is that you put just put water into your mouth. And it is not a condition that you make it move around, in the most famous saying which the majority held. Secondly, on this point, I love mother, then Mullah Ali al Qari said in Miraqat al Muqatif, his explanation of Mishkat, he said, Ibn al Malik said, in explaining why did the narrator think, he'd forgotten what it was, why did he think it was Madmada, for example, and not somebody else? Why well, did he guess uh, circumcision or anything else? So, Mullah Ali al-Qa'li said, Ibn al-Malik said, because Al-Madmada, washing the mouth, and Al-Istin which is already mentioned, washing the nose, are mentioned together. I mean, normally they're mentioned together. And as for the ruling, very briefly, of Al-Madmada, washing the mouth, then, as we heard before in the quote from Imam Shaukani, that he mentioned it's an obligation to set the wash the mouth and washing the nose. In the wudu, it's obligatory to wash both because they both fall under the face. Both were washed by the Prophet وسلم, and described by everyone who describes his wudu. No one leaves them out. And also, in addition, another wording of the hadith of Laqeed ibn Sabrah who said, Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, if you perform the wudu, then wash your mouth. Hadith be by Abu Dawud, declared Sahih, Shaykh al albani And from the scholars who held that, it's obligatory to wash the mouth in the wudu. Then amongst them were Imam Ahmad, Ishaq ibn Rahway, Ibn Abi Layla, Abu Thawr, and Ibn al-Mundir. With regard to the points of benefit that can be taken from the hadith, then amongst them are the following five points of benefit. Firstly, that which Shaykh Muhammad ibn Ali ibn Adam al-Ethiopi said in his explanation of the sunnah of al-Nasai, the Khairat al-Uqba. This hadith shows an explanation of the sunnahs of the fitrah. The second point of benefit is something taken from Sheikh Mahmoud al in his explanation of Abu Dawood al-Manhal al Abu al-Mawrood. He said, the hadith shows the legislation of these mentioned qualities. That they are legislated things. And you have known that from them are some which are obligatory, and some which are otherwise. And though we said most of these qualities are not obligatory with the scholars, and with regard to some of them, there is disagreement with regard to its being obligatory, such as the circumcision, and washing the mouth, and washing the nose. Uh, washing these nose. He said that the fact that an obligatory thing is joined to something that is not obligatory will not cause any harm. And the point he's making here is that some of the scholars, and this is why so a point of benefit that some of the scholars which are Iraqi here, they say that this hadith is a proof that because something is mentioned in a list with other things, it doesn't necessarily carry their ruling. So you have a list of obligatory things, and one thing that's not obligatory, no harm. It doesn't mean because one thing is in the list is obligatory, everything else is obligatory. Or one thing is recommended, everything else has to be... Recommended. No. You have different things in the list. Some are obligatory, some not. So he said... Let's so start from where he began again. He said the hadith shows the legislation of these I mentioned qualities. And you have known that some of them are obligatory and some are otherwise. And now we said most of these qualities are not obligatory with the scholars. And there's disagreement about some of them whether they're obligatory or not, such as the circumcision and washing their mouth and washing their nose. And the fact that something obligatory is joined to something else will not harm. Just as Allah the Most High said, Kulum Tamarihi ida athmara wa'a'atu حَقَّهُ yama al Surah al the 6th Surah, 141. With the explanation. And the ayah been in the context of crops, when the crops have grown and are ready, ready to be plucked. The ayah with the explanation, eat from its fruits when the fruits have ripened and give the due right on the day when it is harvested. He said, because giving from it is obligatory, but eating from it is not obligatory. That's the end of, end of the point. So that's one of the evidences that many of the scholars used to say, this in uh, fact you have a list with some things in some are known to be obligatory for example, and then there's one we don't know the ruling of, so we say well, the, the rest are obligatory, so that must be obligatory. But that is not a, strong, not a strong evidence in the correct sense, Allah. As for the third point of benefit, then Shaykh Mahmoud al said in his explanation Abu Dawood al-Manhal, he said, the hadith shows, or the hadith proves, that these qualities are not specific to this nation. These qualities are not specific to this nation. Obviously he's deriving that from the fact that these are mentioned as being from the fitrah, along with the understanding that the fitrah is the sunnah of the all the earlier prophets. As for the fourth point of benefit, then again, Shef Ethiopia said in his explanation of An-Nasai, that this hadith shows the great care and attention which the Islamic legislation has given to an cleanliness, cleanliness, and that it is from those matters which all revealed laws agreed upon. And the fifth, and last point of benefit here is, again, what Shaykh al-Ethiopi said in his explanation about Masai, he said, it contains an indication that the fitrah is not restricted to just these ten, rather it is more, since he used the wording min, min al-fitrah, min al-fitrah, from the fitrah ah As for the explanation of Shaykh al-Talih al-Ufineen, and the next hadith as well with we'll regard to moustache and the beard. And we'll take that next time, inshallah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll be trying to get a shadow on